actually officially live now. So the talk that we are going to engineer about engineering and scaling engineering is about to start. So if this were an algorithm, we're about to put the first input into the X component. And what's cool about this algorithm here today uh, on the Scale Up Heroes podcast is that we have people from around the world. Here, I'm in California. My name's Ryan. We've got representation from Porto, Madrid, London, Tallinn, and London. And we are going to be talking about how to scale up engineering. Who are these people that we are talking with today? They are the heroes. They don't have their capes on, but they are the ones that are in the streets. They are in the companies. They are the ones that are recruiting and engineering the way to find the best engineers. So if you want to follow other amazing podcasts like this and find out the secrets to being a hero when it comes to scaling up, not startup, because startup is cool, but then you get funding and then you've got to scale. So if you want more podcasts like this or you want to get in touch with other people who are in this same zone, go to scaleupacademy.io. Now, my name is Ryan Fullen. I'm going to be hosting today, but that means that I get the pleasure of sitting back and listening to everyone as our moderator, Pedro, takes the rein. So, Pedro, the floor is now yours. I'm excited to go through these questions and I'll be taking notes and looking forward to how we engineer this conversation on engineering. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ryan. Okay, so hi everyone, um, and let's let's start with a with a very interesting panel for sure. <clears throat> so we have here Alberto from Trey, Luca from Signal, Samuel from OnTruck, and Sergey from PipeDrive. Um, and I think that I would really would like for to start for a kind of a brief introduction about about yourselves. So what do you do in your current company? What your, does your company do, right? So that people can actually kind of understand what's in it. So PipeDrive, Trey, Signal, uh, OnTruck, and also very important, if you don't mind, is actually to explain to the audience how big is your engineering team. So I can probably start, let's say, by alphabetical order. So Alberto from Trey.io, kick off. Hi, Pedro. So nice to meet you. So I'm currently the uh, director of engineering at Trey, and my job is uh, scaling, scaling the engineering team at Trey. So I manage a team of about... Um, 25 engineers and I, I take care of the onboarding, of the hiring process, of the, basically I engineer the process for getting engineers, <laughs> as well as uh, taking care of the uh, delivery of projects. So I'm, I'm, I'm making sure that the projects are delivered on time and I respect the vision for the company, as well as uh, company culture and, and em employees retention. Wow, a lot of things to share for for just one person. I know. Very well. <laughs> and what <laughs> about Trey? <laughs> <laughs> and what about Trey IO? So what do you do? Yeah. So yeah. So that is uh, my my current role at Trey. No, but what what so what's the company about Trey? Ah, sure. So the Trey is uh, we are an automation uh, a company automation startup. So what we create, we create like a general uh, platform for automating processes within a company. So think about any kind of cloud uh, uh, product, like messaging, database in the cloud, uh, file system, any kind of service with an API can potentially be uh, automated and connected to other services without uh, any, any uh, engineering resources and any technical expertise from, from the person who is who's using Train. Okay. Very well. Thank you so much, Alberto. Uh, Luca, you're next. Hi everybody, so I'm Luca, I am the VP of Engineering at Signal Media in London. Uh, at Signal, we use uh, machine learning and NLP 
to ingest and classify millions of documents and, and every day and to allow businesses to search things that are hyper relevant to them in near real time. So we have a, an ingestion pipeline, we ingest a document, we classify them, and uh, our clients can use our interface and other uh, couple of channels to consume the data to see only what they care about and not all the, the white noise that naturally you have when you talk about worldwide uh, content. Um, we are, uh, my role in the company, it's uh, one is I'm responsible for the technology and engineering team. On the other side, I'm also involved in the company strategy definition and I'm involved in the, the product roadmap definition. Um, we are currently about 12 engineers and three data scientists. Um, always growing as every startup. Yeah, very well, very well. Samuel Lontrak, you're next. Hi, Pedro. So, um, Lontrak uh, first is a company that is building a marketplace for B2B logistics. So namely industrial um, freight transportation. So what we do is we connect uh, what we call shippers, customers that want to send stuff, usually pallets, with uh, truck drivers. And um, at OnTrack, I'm the CTO, and I'm responsible for engineering, and also I'm responsible for business intelligence. Since one thing that we have realized is that business intelligence now is very much uh, data science driven and very connected with technology. So it makes a lot of sense to actually have them uh, working together. Oh. Um, my team right now is about 30 people, I would say. 30 people, gotcha. Very well. Sergey, last but not least. Uh, right. So uh, uh, I'm a CTO at MyDrive. I joined around five years ago when the company was still about 20 people altogether. Uh, and uh, MyDrive uh, is actually a sales CRM tool, which uh, initially was built specifically for salespeople uh, because founders uh, who are actually uh, consulting uh, and uh, doing sales themselves uh, were not able to find a tool which suit their needs as a salespeople. And they decided to fill the gap on the market. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I am responsible as a CTO not only for R&D function, as a, like software development, but also infrastructure team. Uh, we, we like uh, host uh, in private cloud. And uh, also business intelligence platform uh, is my responsibility as well as uh, security, including uh, cybersecurity, compliance, uh, uh, data protection, uh, which is a hot topic now. And uh, altogether, uh, I think I have a biggest team. Uh, we have uh, more than 190 people in my organization. Very well, very well. You actually talked about a little bit about GDPR and I kind of... I can relate a lot to that. I think all of us did. Uh, and yes, and finally, my name is Pedro. I'm engineering director at TalkDesk. TalkDesk is a cloud uh, contact center-based solution. And right now, we are around 170 engineers total, um, distributed between Porto and Lisbon here in Portugal. Very well. So about uh, enough about introduction. So I, I think I, I can kick off with a, with a hot question. Um, and the first question would be, so how do you differentiate yourself, how did, do you differentiate yourself 
from other trillion companies that are looking for engineering talent. So right now, at least my perspective is the market is really, really hot. So we have a lot more of of, of jobs uh, than actually we have engineers, at least qualified ones to, to work for our companies. Uh, and what I've seen is that actually the the war for talent is is alive more than ever. Um, so I think that probably we can start with you, Sergey, because you were the last one. So. So sure, how, how sure. do you pipe drive to kind of deal yeah. with all of this madness of, of recruiting? So actually, uh, I don't know if, if you guys are aware, Estonian uh, startup scene is really hot. Like just this year, we got over 300 million investments into Estonian startups. Uh, and Estonia itself is a very tiny country, actually, like 1,300,000 people altogether. So per capita, we are probably past, uh, like we are uh, top, like number one, maybe two after California. Uh, so uh, it's it's uh, it's been challenging. Uh, my approach was as I, as I was an engineer myself before. I know how important it is for each individual engineer to have as much impact on the uh, like the user uh, directly as possible. So we we kept our all our processes. Uh, such that uh, engineer is actually able to have his direct impact. Basically, engineer is responsible for uh, everything, starting from coding uh, and basically deploying to live production. Obviously, we have a lot of uh, safety net. And uh, uh, I can uh, assure you that uh, what's easy with five people, with five engineers or even 20 engineers, uh, becomes really hard with uh, over, like over 100 engineers who all try to cl like change uh, many things at once. Uh, and uh, this is one of the areas where we invested heavily in the tooling. Uh, so now we are able to deploy like 50 changes a day into production and all these changes are driven by engineers, not any other function. So I think this is what uh, attracts many of uh, talent. Very well. So you, you're kind of leaving the DevOps culture, aren't you? Aren't you? Yep. Very well. Very well. Um, so Samuel, on track. Um, so for us, we do a couple of things to try to, to differentiate. I think Madrid is hot, but maybe not, uh, definitely not as hot as Stalin or California or, or any of the other like large hubs. Um, so we, we are able to actually take advantage of that. One thing that, that we are uh, focusing on is, is culture, is building a culture that people want to relate with and that people want to work at and being very vocal about how our culture is. So we write articles, uh, we run events, and we also lend uh, our space to, um, uh, to other events uh, people might want to, might want to have. So that's something that, that we have seen that it creates actually like a bond and um, also, it, it saves time on both sides. Sometimes on the um, on the recruiting efforts, because if people um, come or or read or or um, talk to us and they they feel they don't um, they don't relate with us, that also saves them time in the plan and it saves time. Because one thing that is important is not just like attracting talent. I mean, there are many many clever uh, skilled people. It's also attracting the talent that will uh, that will do great in your team. And that will have uh, that will enjoy and will have fun. Will have a good progress in the company. Absolutely. And then, yeah. Then also another thing that that we care about is uh, is that the that the work has uh, has impact, as I just said. 
Um, so we have uh, we work very very closely with with products, and we work very closely in actually all together figuring out the solutions to the problems, and trying to bring as much uh, context as possible from business directly into into engineering. So it's not about coming to the office, taking a ticket and implementing, but actually coming to the office, learning about new problems, understanding why that is a problem, and coming up with with solutions. Very well, very well. I can relate a lot to that for sure. Um, Luca? Yeah, pretty you? much. <laughs> well, what the other two guys said, 100%. I think they were using similar things. Um, on the specific of what we're trying to signal is also, um, what we didn't realize is that the important thing is define, we have to de define our identity and be very clear about our identity with our candidates. Uh, so for us, for example, one of the, the traits is that we, we're not just engineers, we're not just coders, we're problem solvers. Um, and by saying that, we want to say to people, you come here, your job is solving problems. And the way you solve problems, it could be everything. Code is just one way. And you decide every time what's the right way and every time you pick the right tool. Um, and the way we're going to try to make it happen is like we're going to be very clear through the conversation we have with our candidates and try to highlight what that means for us. How do we leave that, um, uh, you know, that, that cultural trait? What we do and what we don't do. So, you know, if, if you're a problem solver, it means that you might have to go and meet a lot of clients, you know, because that's the best way to understand. And um, sometimes for engineers, what do you mean? I'll say, oh, yeah, go out with the sales guys. You're going to meet you, come back when you get an idea and you try. But we really try to do that and be very clear about the goods and sometimes all the bad, what the trade-offs. So people can relate to that and understand if they can be happy here and they can contribute. And if they say, we know that we're going to be happy and we're going to be very affecting the team. Actually, you know, you were talking about it and I think that we, we are now seeing a trend where instead of just kind of having a very strong engineering side and a very strong product side, we actually have kind of a fusion. And I usually say that we shouldn't be just an engineering team, but we actually should be a product engineering team, right? Exactly because of understanding the, the purpose, the why we are solving problems. We are not just kind of implementing features for the sake of it. So absolutely, very well. And, and finally, Alberto. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with everything that has been said so far. So definitely focus on your values, focus on the impact that people are going to have on your product. Show them that they will, they will make a big change as soon as they, they join uh, the company. Make them like a, a roadmap. Make sure they understand what it is expected from them in one month time, in two months time, in six months time. And, and that's how you differentiate, like another way would be uh, as you define your value, you also should define the, the value as for the engineering team in terms of like, what is the engineering manifesto for your company? What is the value the teams believe in? Do you believe in, uh, in uh, code reviews, in uh, making the best uh, code that you can? Do you believe in being challenged every day and also, is, again, it's all about showing them what they will be doing at the company as well as telling them, as well as the usual um, things uh, like events and running events, running sponsorship, uh, and making sure you show the culture on social network. Like, for example, Instagram is a very, very strong uh, way of showing what people will do once they join the company, show that you're not just like a bunch of people coding all day, but showing them they will be having fun as well as as having like the best um, as, as well as doing the best work of their life very well um 
well, thinking about Talkdesk, <clears throat> I believe that we actually can provide two th main things to, to our engineers. Uh, so the first one is definitely autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Okay, so kind of making sure that, yeah, and I think all of you have mentioned that, right? So kind of being impact-driven, kind of making a difference, uh, and people that can actually kind of be, they are allowed to improve their craft, they understand the purpose and have autonomy. I think that's, that's something very important for all engineers out there. Uh, and the other one that we usually, so it's pretty much like my sales pitch, <laughs> is about kind of making people um, a world-class engineer. So usually when I have on my interviews, I promise that they won't play a lot of foosball or ping or table tennis, but for sure they'll become a world-class engineer. Uh, and that's something also that tends to attract a lot of people because, you know, kind of, you go to every every single company out there, you know, Google's, Facebook's, whatever, and you have like tons of things that can distract you, but there are not so many companies that can actually invest in you and, and push uh, that much and demand from you that actually you're going to, to go to the next uh, step of your career. Um, so yeah, definitely. I think that all of, of us are kind of very, very much on the on the same mindset. But also, you know, so we've been talking about a lot about recruitment, uh, but also one thing that is definitely very important is about the retention piece, right? So we want to hire more people, we want to scale, we want to, to double our teams in a year or so, but uh, we also have this kind of the retention issue, right? Because so the market is hot, it's, it's not easy to attract people, it's even harder to retain people. Um, so how do you see that kind of these both worlds can, can live together? Um, Alberto? Yeah, sure. Uh, as we said, retention and recruiting, they go hand in hand because you don't want to recruit a bunch of people and then, and have them leave uh, in, a, in a few months after that. So first thing is obviously, as long as, uh, as we said, keeping them challenged is uh, create like a, a positive uh, envir environment and making sure that they feel empowered. The environment is diverse and, and open to, to different point of view, as well as different like a school of polls and, and people from different backgrounds, so people they feel accepted. And uh, the in practice, the specific way we uh, try to manage that is through the one-on-ones and to implementing a system of OKRs, which we are currently like deploying across the company. So OKR is a it's a quite popular like management technique where the entire company as well as a, a team and individuals are measured according to a series of objective and, and, and results. So you define objectives which are technically quite ambitious but still achievable and then you define metrics for those uh, so you can define success and how do you and those should be quantifiable. As well as that, that will give like a vision for the team and uh, an objective for everybody to, uh, to abide to. We also allow for some extra time for when people want to experiment with new things. And we also try to embed that into the main uh, career objective for that person. So in this way, you have like a short-term and long-term objectives. And uh, on top of that, we, uh, we make sure we understand what are their like, personal uh, needs as well as, uh, as, uh, as career goals, because we, we need to understand that those two they need to go hand in hand as well. So the HR team together, we and engineering team, they, they work together to make sure we, the package that we offer to people is great in the long term. And I'm, to I'm talking about things like parental leaves and uh, like a more work from home policy, and as well as again, uh, having the ability to work on side projects, those things all together form uh, a great engineering culture and 
and and hopefully provide for like a much uh, longer stay for the person at the company. Absolutely, uh, Luca. Do you have any insights? Yeah, so I, I think that you know uh, retention is super super important because otherwise you're not growing your team. You're pretty much you go continuously net zero, right? You, you lose a number of people. You keep hiring the same. You're you're the same. So you're not able to grow um, as you hope. And I think that. Um, so the second value is also that from a, an, an interview, a candidate perspective, I believe that coming in an organization, sitting with an engineer and hearing that this person has been in the, with a company two, three years, especially for a high growth business where things are changing a lot, it means a lot, right? This, the new candidate can understand that, okay, this is an interesting place. You know, things change quite often in a startup, but, you know, the people are talking to me have been here two, three, four years. That's great. Especially when you work in a, like in a, in a hectic market, you talk about it. The market in, uh, in Portugal, in, in London is crazy. Like the number of opportunities that we all have in, in, in engineering space are you know, way higher than uh, the, the people there. So people can pay whatever they like. So the ability to correlate the fact that people really like to be here and for good reason is a super, super uh, effective way to improve also your, your recruiting. So your conversion might go higher if you're able to demonstrate that that long-term commitment. Mm -hmm. And uh, on the other side, I think that um, how you're gonna achieve that? Well, I think that you go to the very early stage about are you hiring the right person? Are you hiring people that are first aligned to your, uh, to your ethos, to your identity, to your culture? Because probably half of the time, the problem is like, you know, there's no match between organization and their identity and, and behaviors and beliefs and, and the individual, there's nothing wrong, but that is causing some attrition. And the other one is related to what you, you, you know, discuss about yourself, about the master autonomy purpose. I 100% agree with Daniel Pink is that if you're able to give people open problems and if they can keep working on the open problem, that means that we're all going to find the next wave of challenges or error that they have to exper get expertise and that will keep them engaged every time. So if you can put all these things together with the right mix, you have the retention and retention will probably hopefully drive higher also your conversion and your hiring. So you have a nice machine that it keeps uh, uh, supporting it itself. Couldn't agree more, absolutely. Samuel, any, any thoughts on this? Um, so I relate very much with what Lucas said, which um, actually a good match is the key for, for retention. Like if you hire somebody that, that is a good match for you, and also that uh, the company is a good match for them, then uh, pretty much retention, unless you do a big mistake, uh, retention should actually happen. Why? Because uh, people tend to want to um, develop themselves normally on, on the same place if there are interesting challenges, because once you are having fun, once the atmosphere is positive and you grow as a person, then why, why would you like to risk? No? Humans normally don't, don't like this, these risks. So normally when somebody risks and changes, it's because something is not working. It's either there was not a good match or something is not working well. And then you need to look at your organization to try to figure out what was the reason that made that person actually leave. Um, another thing that I, I think is, is really important to try to find those things early is to keep the, the agile mentality. Like be very um, thorough in, in, in the inspect and adapt uh, thing like you need to listen to people uh, you need to understand what what is it that is not working and you need to to make changes and especially if you if you do that often and people feel that you are listening to them 
and that uh, some of the changes they propose are being taken into account and executed, then again, it's another uh, good way of making sure that you have the atmosphere that, that your people will want to stay in. Absolutely, absolutely. Very true. Uh, Sergey, so I'm, yeah. I'm very looking forward to your answer pretty much because so you have like pretty much a big team, right? Um, yeah. and, and I actually like, I read very recently two articles that actually I think that influence it a lot this situation that is so when a, star a startup or a company reaches like the 100 engineers you know flex structures doesn't seem to work out very well and and very recently i've, I've read also an article that is it was uh, so the title was startups be warned something weird happens to companies when they hit the 150 people uh so that's definitely the case of, of pipe drive so so what's your take on, on this uh, recruitment and, and retention yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, of course, uh, retention starts with recruitment, right? Because uh, you, you first have to hire people uh, who have the same values as, as everyone else in the company. And uh, for Pipedrive, uh, uh, we actually have been nominated as the best employer in Estonia like tw two years in a row. And, uh, and what people are bringing out is uh, like they, they like to work in Pipedrive because of other people. It's not because of like the challenges of a salary or whatever, it's it's actually the other people who are making uh, uh, workplaces an enjoyable one. Uh, what uh, what else we have is I believe that the transparency in the organization is very important. Like people actually know how company is doing because once they start wondering, once they don't have the answers to all of their questions they start looking around for other opportunities, right? Then there is a, a growth opportunity, personal growth opportunity. Uh, and within startup, like I was, I'm telling every every new person, like, hey, don't worry, as company is growing, you will be growing much faster as if you would be working in a kind of stable environment where, which doesn't grow too fast, right? So like people who joined as, as developers, uh, uh, like two, three years ago, they went to a team lead and an engineering manager position like in, in two years. It's not possible in any other uh, kind of environment, right? Uh, and uh, also mobility of engineers became uh, uh, important once we actually passed certain uh, number of uh, engineers where you, when you're working with the same people on the same problem for several years, you kind of uh, become bored, right? And uh, if processes in organization doesn't allow this kind of mobility where engineer himself is able to decide that, hey, I'm actually, uh, I don't have to ask an, a manager, the process uh, supports uh, engineers' mobility, uh, then uh, they can uh, look for new opportunities themselves. Nobody needs to push them. We actually don't like to push people or motivate them. Like they, they need to have internal motivation, right? To do their work and to find new challenges. And if and the organization just need to support this. Uh, so we recently, we had this uh, uh, a, a bit of uh, hierarchical structure where we had these small independent teams uh, team lead managing this team and then there is an engineering manager who is like managing uh, uh, three to four teams uh, and it already created too many layers and some problems were not uh, bubbling up and, and so on and, and we uh, just recently did a reshuffle or a restructure we restructured the organization 
and said, okay, now we don't have a small small uh, teams. We have Tribe, which is about 20, 30 engineers. And it's already gives you opportunity to work on other problems, which adjacent teams were working on. Uh, but on top of that, uh, also the whole product development uh, process has been revamped. And now instead of uh, just doing projects or uh, some product uh, ideas, we, we call them missions. And these missions have to be pitched to engineers by product managers explaining why it's important and engineers actually free to choose which missions they are going to join. And this creates this uh, uh, motivation of people actually themselves deciding what they, they want to work on and uh, again gives opportunity to grow in different directions and i think think this is what's important for retention very good answer i'm really happy i asked this question um very well so i have um so one one question that kind of has been lingering here in my mind is so in your opinion what's what, what's the hardest part on of of the recruitment in your experience so i think we can we can we can start on you sergey I, I, I believe uh, it's the number of people you, you, you have to hire. <laughs> I mean, again, in, in Pipedrive, we were doubling the engineering uh, organization every year. And you can imagine going from 10 to 20 people is maybe not, not a very hard job. But, uh, and going from 20 to 40, once you already did this previous task is easy. But when your organization is 100 and you want to go to 200 in one year, this becomes challenging because, uh, and you need to revamp or review all your processes. Uh, how do you actually uh, uh, interview? What's your interviewing process? Who is interviewing? How these people actually getting into the teams uh, with whom they are going to work? So we initially, I was doing uh, the first interview, like the first screening interview and uh, also selling the idea of working for Pipedrive. But obviously if you need to hire hundred engineers, doesn't scale. I, I, I wouldn't have uh, time to do any, any of our tasks, right? So we, we changed that. So now the, uh, the team lead or engineering manager is doing this first interview. And then again, the idea of this first interview is really half to understand the fit and the other half is to sell by drive to the candidate, right? Uh, and then, like, actually, our process is quite long, and and this is uh, uh, on one hand is very beneficial to to see if there is actually a fit and if there is a co commitment from the candidate. But in some cases, uh, it's a challenge because uh, market is hot, and if candidate has like two free offers uh, on a table, you actually want to go faster, and. And you can't really because uh, that would jeopardize the whole idea of having this long recruitment process. So it's uh, you always need to wait uh, or balance uh, this uh, wish to hire the best versus uh, hire first, right? I agree. It's a patience game, absolutely. <laughs> so what about you, Samuel? Do you have uh, what's your what's the hardest part for you on your recruitment? I think I would say, like, especially if I compare with, with other parts that are not engineering, I would say that the most complex thing is to find the candidates. Like, usually the problem is not that you have, like, I don't know, 20 candidates for a position and you need to filter them or that they are not qualified or things like that. The problem usually is, like, you open a position and, and you get two CVs. 
Um, so it takes a while until you can actually get enough candidates in the pipeline. So normally it takes like you have need to have like dedicated sourcing or agencies or things like that. So that's definitely for me like the most complex thing. And then as you scale, the thing that uh, changes the most and, and requires a lot of attention is keeping up um, an aligned process and style. No, like and normally like more and more team members start making interviews of other candidates. But um, you need to pay attention so that the interviews are actually more or less comparable or similar, that the interviews actually have good quality. So even if you don't hire the candidate, the candidate gets a good experience uh, in the whole process. So those two things, I would say, are, are really worth uh, looking into. Like finding candidates actually gets normally easier, in my experience, as you scale. It's true that you need more, but you have more brand, you have word of mouth. Um, you have a yeah like a better larger organization that can do that type of work, um, but uh, but then more and more uh, you need to pay attention that that your team is able to actually have like a sustainable way of interviewing and, and similar one. Yeah. How about you, Luca? Yeah, I think that sourcing is super hard. Finding the right candidates. Uh, both as an organic, so having the candidates come in and talk to you or you go out and source them by headhunting is super hard, especially in such a, a, an active market like London. Um, because there are a lot of people, but naturally finding people that can help you is, is, is not easy. And, and I do agree that at the moment sometime where in, in the process, um, your process might be even not dramatically long, what could be insights, but they might be already at a certain stage in other with other companies and there's always the temptation to say oh let's get it short but at the same time then that will be most of the time is a mistake right you need to accept that you're gonna if people are already made their mind up most of the time you let them go uh if you cut the, the process short just to take a shortcut that means you're gonna do another time another time and then your whole process is going out of out of the window it doesn't and doesn't count um and the other thing that is always tricky, you know, the, together with sourcing is, as been already said, is how you, how you double, how you grow at a, at a high pace that you're going to do, you know, 10 to 20, 20 to 40 and 40 to 8 and so on, because this can be a full-time job for the whole team, you know, between uh, screening, interviewing, going to event to be a bit of brand building, say, you know, the good things you're doing so people engage, it's hard because that's going to be the whole team job pretty much all day well actually you're still trying to build a great product so find a balance how much time you invest uh, to have a good uh, a good presence and keep you know keep meeting good, the right people um and how much you need to say look this is this is how many candidates really i can take every week it's important um and as i do agree also with analysis about even if candidates are not the right fit to try to give the best experience possible because as i said before Sometimes there's no match, but it's not right or wrong. It just there's no match. But at the same time, if you have a good experience and they can still word of mouth and say, well, it wasn't for me. There was the rough time in my career to join the company, but they're going to have people they know and they can still say, it may be worthwhile for you to have a conversation or see if they're growing, have a chat. So definitely that is important as well. Very good point. Very good point, Luca. Uh, Alberto, do you want to add anything to this? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for us at Trey, uh, yeah, some of the most challenging recruiting uh, uh, parts are definitely like, uh, again, sourcing is extremely hard, especially like sourcing the uh, senior 
uh, engineers. Like there are very few, and London is a very very competitive market, especially uh, for us that because we recruit like a very very specific like type of engineers, like Scala engineers, which are already <laughs> like a subset of the already like very small talent pool. So uh, definitely like deciding which uh, uh, recruiting channels you want to invest time in. Do you, uh, do you invest a lot, of, a lot of time with recruiters versus like a, a bigger platform like Hire.com or like AngelList, like deciding what, where you want to invest your time. So that would be like a, a big challenge because again, you can have like a big uh, uh, recruiting team and invest a lot of resources. But then if you, if you have not directed your resources well, you, you will still fail. So I would definitely echo whatever, yeah, everything <laughs> that has been said so far. And then also I wanted to uh, iterate the point that, again, we need to uh, minimize uh, the, the false positive. So we don't want to hire like a person that is not a good fit for the team, skill-wise or, or culture fit-wise. And also we want to uh, minimize the false uh, negatives. As in, we need to be able to uh, to detect the right candidate and to be to convince them and to make sure they uh, yeah we are able to to select for the best talent despite of like uh, unconscious bias and despite of the fact that sometimes the interviews are cannot be uh, extremely thorough because of time reason and because of resource reason we tend to interview like hundreds of candidates for for one position, so you definitely really, really want to nail down <laughs> that single person that you will eventually hire. So again, it's all about defining process, define the values that you are hiring for, uh, building your brand uh, uh, reputation, and and engage on the on the correct channels. That that would be the the best advice for me on the on this regard. No, very true. You know, actually, we need to understand that we want when we want to scale because when we want to go faster, when we are recruiting and onboarding, we actually are going slower. So this is like a long-term investment for sure. Uh, I think that we are almost uh, running out of time. So I have just like one one quick question for all of you, and that question is: so if you you would need to give one engineering advice for any startup that is listening to us and has the ambition to scale, what advice would that would that be? So. We can start with you, Alberto. One advice? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say uh, make sure that as you scale, you preserve your, your culture. Like culture is like the hair that we breathe. It is there, but no one sees it until it's so bad that people leave <laughs> because of it. <laughs> so I would say just keep uh, your A player and keep uh, and keep improving on, on your culture and define your value early on and define your culture manifesto. As I, as I said before, regarding your, your, your value as engineering team. Luca? I would say that um, skill is not just about a number, but most of the time is also about being able to tackle larger and more complicated problems. So you always need to tune your uh, engineering and product process so that it can be elastic enough to absorb the next, the next uh, growth stage. So you never have, you have to have a, a process that is not uh, too light or too heavy for where you are. You have to be good for where you are, but ready for the next generation. You have to change it so you can absorb the next uh, growth stage. Very well. Samuel. Um, actually, I, I don't want to copy. I don't want to copy Alberto or Luca, who actually said things that I had in my head as well. Uh, so those are very true, but I would add some uh, new 
a new take on the thing, which would be to not forget to do retrospectives or whatever process you have that actually lets you stop um, stop the machine and figure out what's working or not working. Because as you as you grow, many things are changing. As you scale, many things are changing. And usually you don't realize. You don't realize what's going on. You don't realize what is different in your team. You want to go very fast. And this is like a very good way to actually pause, take a breath, and then see if the machine is like well oiled. Very well. Um, Samuel, Samuel, no, sorry, Sergey, uh, one advice. You are on mute. Sorry, guys. So, yeah, uh, actually, two quick advices. Like, one is, uh, like, as a CTO, my, my job is to uh, not become a bottleneck for the business. Like, if there is a business opportunity, make sure that engineering is not the bottleneck to growth. Like whatever it, it means, either it's architecture or it's a hiring process or culture or whatever, just try to recognize where are your bottlenecks and try to resolve them before they actually become an issue. You don't want to fail a business because engineering is a bottleneck. And the other is uh, always be changing. Again, take retrospective, see what doesn't work and don't be afraid of change. And I see there was a question from Facebook. Yes, so Daniel Evo actually asked a question to Sergey. So he says, Sergey, you mentioned that developers in a team of up to 20 are free to choose a project for themselves. How do you motivate them to take tedious or legacy projects? Uh, right, so there are two types of uh, uh, tedious or legacy projects. Uh, <laughs> No, I, I mean, really, like there are, there are bugs, obviously, in the software which have to be solved. And, uh, and there are some refactorings and so on. And for that, we have a special workforce, which is called uh, Launchpad, whatever it means. Basically, all missions launched from the Launchpad and they land on the Launchpad. And Launchpad is a team of like four to six engineers who are working on fixing bugs, doing basically engineering uh, uh, cleaning of the system, right? Uh, they're also doing on-calls and so on. So these small uh, legacy things can be solved by Launchpad. But if it's a big refactoring of a big system, legacy system, then obviously it's a mission. And this mission has to be sold to engineers. And I think engineers understand the importance and they will go for this mission. Very well. Very good. So I think I'm, I'm good from my side. So Ryan, I'll pass the ball to you. All right. Well, I have had a, a quite a fun time. And in order to recap, I'm going to basically engineer a word off of engineering. So if you see my notes here, you know, classically, I write engineer down the side. So E-N-G-I-N-E-R-I-N-G. And this is pulled from all the notes of everybody here. So E, and for everybody who's just really wondering what I'm doing, I'm recapping it all. I've engineered, I was going to come up with a uh, with an algorithm, but that was too complicated. So... So this is a, uh, a note from each of you across the board, spelling engineering. Okay. So number one, and this is for how to scale engineering. Number one is engage with your potential candidates. Number two, it's not just about attracting talent. This idea of the experience, whether it's a good fit or not, is crucial for the word of mouth component. G is to give value. I love that everybody's talking about the value that you're giving, not taking. I is interpret your brand. 
I love this brand interpretation, right? How is your brand being perceived by these potential employees? N is it's not just about the numbers, right? It's not just about the numbers. It's about getting the right people in the seats. E is for being elastic to absorb the next generation of growth. It's not just about now. It's about elasticity like that. And then another E, right? The double E is a triple E, but we got one. It's this idea of an engineering manifesto. Love that, right? Come up with your manifesto. Like that sounds so, you know, Roman or so like chivalrous or so like, like this is our manifesto, right? While we're all just hacking on the computer. And then uh, R is for retrospective. You've got to look back. I is for the fact that the intention should be to create a world-class engineer. Like it's not just that you're an engineer, you're going to be world-class. N is for not becoming a bottleneck. And G is to grow and to continue to grow with your engineers and your employees. So there we go. That is your engineer spelt out vertically, built out horizontally uh, that I now know and everybody knows because of this. So a lot of fun. I'm excited to get to know a lot of you guys. And really, if the one thing that is the hero tool, it's that you're looking at your employees as actual people who want to professionally develop and grow. And I think engineers too often are put into this box where they're maybe introverts and they're just behind a computer and we're you know, using them for their brilliant skills to solve problems. But the one through line that I really believe makes your heroic efforts of recruitment is that at the end of the day, they're real people who have real professional goals and you're trying to make them world class. So that alone, I think, will solve problems of people in the startup to scale up. And everybody, we enjoy you being here. Uh, hopefully you came up with a lot of takeaways yourself. Reach out to these people, find them on LinkedIn, follow their companies. And if you're an engineer, I think these guys are hiring. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, everybody, this has been great. Have a great day. I'm definitely charged up. And uh, I, I feel like I just kind of want to go find an engineer, even though I don't need one. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll reach out to you guys and hopefully we can all connect. But hey, uh, thanks so much to uh, this, the Scale Up Heroes. And if you want to find more of these, it's scaleupacademy.io. Keep growing, guys and girls. Even though we don't have girls on the panel here, I think it's important we understand that there are just as many engineers and we want to empower them and support them as well. So here's to all the men and all the women who are clicking the keyboards to solve our real problems. Well, thank you so thank much. You. Thank you. All right. <laughs> We're out of here.